Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2257. Today we're going to have some fun talking with a gentleman who works at a company that's building a destination motorsports entertainment residential. I mean, they're doing it all private airstrips, racetracks. This is a cool deal. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm out in the desert in Tempe, Arizona, with a very special guest by the name of Bill Tiber. Bill, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely. Let's roll. We're going to have some fun. Uh, quite a project that you were involved with here. It's hard to wrap my head around how big this is. But before we get into that, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Bill? <laughs> I was a lounge lizard. I uh, A lounge lizard? <laughs> yeah. Before I moved into advertising, I played guitar and sang, you know, sometimes seven nights a week wow. in uh, hotels, restaurants, and bars. And, uh, you know, I had a blast. I, I loved entertaining. Uh, I wish everybody could experience the thrill of a standing ovation. Oh, yeah. It was just, it was great. How fun. You know, it's interesting. I've had a, a good number of guests on this show that are musicians. And I wonder if there's any correlation to the automotive world and the joys of driving and, you know, shifting and clutching and all these things and racing and so forth and mu music, because I grew up, um, I had a band in high school, got guitars hanging on the walls here, never got as far as you did, but uh, I wonder if there's any relationship there. Well, I know that there's definitely a relationship between being a musician and being a creative director, wow. uh, you know, going into advertising. Okay. I've met so many, you know, compadres, cohorts, cohorts that, you know, they started out as musicians, band members, some way, shape, or form. Wow. Well, uh, first 11 years of my career out of college was that of a graphic uh, artist and a um, creative director. And so there you go. There you go. Yeah, there's uh, something going on there. Well, we'll have some fun today. Let me give you a introduction. This is a little bit of a long introduction, but you listeners will understand because this project is massive. Bill Tiber is veteran of many advertising wars uh, he could never kick a love for and an addiction to motorsports and, of course, music, as he said, hooked at the tender age of 11 when he bought his first car craft magazine. He was the kid who drew race cars in class instead of paying attention. Uh, that was kind of me, too, along, <laughs> with, along with surfing pictures since I grew up doing that. <laughs> he began his professional career as a copywriter, broadcast producer, and then creative director, eventually specializing in work related to the motorsports and automotive aftermarket. And today he works for Atessa, a company that is developing a motorsports and entertainment destination featuring residential, commercial, and industrial districts, plus a hotel, convention center, private airstrip, and a whole lot more. The Keystone Project for Atessa is the Podium Club, a private membership complex that opened in December of 2021. It features a road racing track surrounded by race shops, casitas, and garage mahals, a proving ground, and a high-performance driving school. Uh, as you can tell, Bill's having some fun. We'll be back in just a moment, but let's put some fuel in our tanks first with our sponsors. So sit tight, give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 
way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the U.S. are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now. Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young men and women to consider these viable career paths. Cars yeah knows that women make great techs. I've interviewed a lot of them, so we support the nonprofit Tech Force Foundation and its Women Tech Rocks initiative to ensure women see themselves in this profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today. So, Bill, we are back. Uh, When I look at your website at Atessa and I see what you guys are doing, my head starts spinning because I grew up with a father who was an architect, a developer, a builder. You guys have so many plates spinning, so many balls in the air, so many things. Take us on a little walk first, how you landed at Atessa, how you got to this point in your career, and then we're going to take a deeper dive into this project because it's massive. Okay, so uh, 2015, I got a phone call uh, who knew of this company that was building this this massive uh, master-planned uh, multi-use development. They needed a copywriter, and so that's how I got started. And then we spent three years and millions of dollars to lawyers so we could finally get it entitled and properly zoned. Uh, and then, of course, COVID hit, and we had to you know switch gears. Our first project was going to be a 2.8 mile FIA FIM you know road racing circuit suitable for Formula One and MotoGP. COVID kind of changed that. Yeah, changed a lot of things, didn't it? Changed a lot of things. So you know, on our uh, four square mile property, our first project is now the Podium Club, which is you know a a, a private road circuit. Again, you know, it was designed and built to um, meet FIM and FIA specs at build out, and it's going to be surrounded by garage mahals and casitas. Uh, you know, an industrial district where people can have their race shops. Uh, it, it's it's a big massive deal. The entire four square 
mile property is going to be the same with residential, uh, industrial, a private airstrip, you know, potentially approving grounds, uh, entertainment. You know, this, this is a place where people can, you know, uh, live, work and play. That's the plan. It's yeah, it's and it's so so much bigger than the nice brief condensed version you gave of this. Where is it located exactly? We are just about halfway between Phoenix and Tucson. Uh, there's a town called Casa Grande, which is halfway between. You know, the good news is we are right off Interstate 8. We have an exit at both our eastern and western property lines. There are already existing freeway interchanges there. And uh, our property is about seven, eight miles west of Interstate 10. So, you know, we're freeway all the way. Yeah, it's tremendous. This project is it has all the pieces for not only the perfect car guy, but also the business relationships, which is obviously a big, important part of this. Um, people that can come and have shops, restoration facilities, all sorts of different things, businesses, whatever it might be. How did this project like start? Whose brainchild was this to be in the middle of the desert and build a little mini car city? Uh, my boss named uh, Dan Erickson, and uh, he decided that, you know, he wanted to build a track mainly for people that couldn't afford to race. In other words, you know, he wants to have motorsports continue to grow. And if if you don't get track time, if you don't get seat time, you're not going to get any better. And if you can't afford it, you're not going to get that seat time. So his vision was to, you know, create a track where men, women, teenagers, you know, they could afford to come out and, and practice their craft. Well, what he realized is that, uh, you know, to make it pencil, you had to have more than just a racetrack. And that was kind of like the inspiration for a Tessa, where, you know, a racetrack is going to be part of the community, uh, an important part of the community, but mainly, you know, uh, we're in the Arizona sun corridor. We've got a relationship with, you know, manufacturers and other businesses in Mexico. We are right in line. The next freeway, which is interstate 11, which will be a freeway that connects Canada to Mexico. Uh, we, you know, we, we're at a place where all types of transportation and rail, and we're going to have an airstrip. So, you know, we've got a great location for businesses, for manufacturers as well as a destination for, you know, people that want to come out to Arizona and have a great time. Yeah. I mean, there's so many uh, pieces of this. I've interviewed a lot of people on this show that have either, we'll call them garage mahals or right. garage condos. And, and there's a lot of these that have popped up over the last 10, 15 years around the country. And then a lot of times people want to attach a track to it and they find out pretty quickly that that's expensive. I mean, to mention what you had to pay for lawyers just to yeah. just to get this whole thing out of the dirt, out of the sand, if you will, and so forth. But all the different pieces to this look like it's going to create a it's like a multifaceted diamond. All the pieces that create this one big shining star in the middle of the desert. And let's talk a little bit about the first thing that has come to fruition, the Podium Club. Tell me about that. Well, a uh, 2.32 mile track bi-directional. Again, built to FIA, FIM specs that build it. We have more runoff room. We are easily the safest track in Arizona. You know, you would have to try to hit something if you go off track. Uh, now, don't, you know, the don't give anybody any ideas because <laughs> racers are really good at that. I know because I was one. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, the, the asphalt, of course, it's new, but it's, you know, it's as smooth as a baby bottom. We have had uh, nothing but kudos, you know, just just high praise. Motorcyclists love it. And, you know, the neat thing is, and of course, what took us so long was to get the proper zoning. We're the only property in Arizona that is actually zoned for a racetrack. We got 120 decibel uh, limit at the property line and, you know, we're a thousand feet away from the property. 
and uh, with with the surrounding land. Again, it's planned, so you know, you know, sooner than later, you know, somebody can buy a garage, the hall that essentially has through the gate access. You know, they can you know drive out of their garage and get onto the track, and uh, you know, it's it's a very cool concept. When I look at where you're located, you're like you mentioned between. Tucson and Phoenix. So that Highway 10 north-south corridor that runs from basically, I think almost down by the border, right? 10 yep. go down to Nogales? Is that? Uh, 10 takes, uh, 10 goes east. Oh, that's uh, right. It Yeah, it passes uh, Tucson and then heads east. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then Highway 8, of course, something I'm familiar with because I grew up in San Diego. We used to take Highway 8 out to visit family and friends in Tucson and Phoenix when I was a kid, or if we wanted to be so brave to head on to Texas where my grandparents were, uh, yeah. long drive. So you're right in that corridor, but that community, Casa Grande, is a, definitely, there's a lot of farming around there. Yes. But there's a little city close by as well, correct? Yes, and, and, and it's growing. You know, we're uh, uh, we're not the capital or, or the county seat of, of Pinal County, but Pinal County is one of the fastest growing in the nation. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds, you know, uh, that's, that's where Lucid located, not far from us is uh, Nicola. Yes, yeah. We've got, you know, there's a Nissan test track there. There's a Volkswagen test track there. And, and of course, you know, the way you drive, Mark, I'll guess San Diego would be about five hours away. You know, we're, we're about six hours away from Las Vegas, uh, you know, we think we've got the perfect location. There's a reason, you know, uh, insurance companies have their businesses located where we are because, you know, we don't have earthquakes, we don't have floods, we don't have forest fires, you know, we're, uh, we're a great place to live. Well, and you've seen the tremendous growth and migration into Arizona uh, as uh, us baby boomers age out and decide that we want to Go somewhere that maybe has, uh, well, it doesn't maybe, but has nicer weather uh, throughout the year. Uh, plus the the exodus from California, of course, from a business standpoint, not being so business friendly. I know that because I escaped from California 30 years ago because <laughs> it wasn't very business friendly. Living where I do now and having a daughter and a grandson and a son-in-law living down in the Scottsdale area, uh, that part of the world is looking more and more favorable as I sit here and look yeah. out the window to rain again this morning uh, here in the Pacific Northwest. But we do have trees, so that's one thing I've got got beat for you. But what you guys have done there is is really, really cool. What's the build-out forecast here when you look ahead? Are we talking, I mean, everything you're doing, it's like 10 years? You know, my boss is so smart because, you know, people say when this will be done, it's never going to be done because we're always, we're always going to be, yeah, growing and adding improvements and, and, you know, things like that. Uh, Right now, uh, our concentration is the Keystone, which is the podium club. You know, right now it's, it's a 2.32 mile track. Eventually it's going to be about four and a half miles. Uh, You know, we're going to be able to divide it up. So, you know, we'll have a couple different paddock areas. People can, you know, we can do testing on one portion of the circuit. We can have a club on a different portion of the circuit we can have you know eventually we're going to have a skid pad in a driving school so a lot of a lot of things that are going on at the same time a lot of kind of like what they did out at miller motorsport park uh out of Salt Lake city there where they've got that massive track they can open the whole thing to one big course so they can break it up into two and do multiple events so yeah some brilliant planning here and no doubt a lot of brilliant minds went to work to put this whole master plan together 
Yeah, guys smarter than I am. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, we would love to have an IndyCar race. We'd love to have an IMSA race. You know, we want a Moto, uh, we want a Moto America race. And, you know, all, uh, and all, all that is doable. It's just, uh, you know, time and money, Mark. Oh, yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. That's all. A lot of good things take. But what you guys are doing there is really, really cool. I can't plan now that I'll be making some trips to the desert to come down and see what you're up to. Uh, that looks like a lot of fun. Now, I like to ask my guests about what I call our driving inspirations. You've been around long enough to be around a lot of really smart people, uh, creative people. Is there somebody in your life that was a great mentor to you? Yes. You know, first my dad, because he gave me my compass. Mm. Uh, mm. I got, you know, when, when I suddenly realized how much I love racing and cars, you know, I had a hero. I'm not unique. You know, Dan Gurney, you know, what, what a superstar. But actually, it was a guy named Jim Schoenberger, who was the president of the first really big advertising agency that I worked at. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he taught me so much, not just about advertising and creative and marketing and all that, but, uh, you know, under promise and over deliver. You know, say what you're going to do and then, you know, do what you said. Treat the janitors with the same respect that you do for the guys that, you know, sign your paycheck. Uh, you know, uh, life lessons, you know, and one of the most important things was, you know, nobody gets killed from bad advertising. Don't take this too seriously. <laughs> you know, have have fun, do a good job, but, you know, you're not a doctor, you know, you're you're not in the military. This is this is, you know, this is a passionate industry. Have fun at it. Well, no doubt having been in that industry like you have and and like I was, the tremendous changes over time uh, have been just mind-boggling to me. I mean, I'll take one that just when the first computers came out, the, the agency I was part of in San Diego, we bought the first Mac SEs to PageMaker. You remember that? Sure, stuff? sure, sure. And, and it just changed the world. And now when I look at what people can do, uh, it's just, it's mind-blowing. And I think, man, back when I was a kid, if I'd had these tools, imagine what we could do. But you work with what you have, right? That's exactly right. You work with what you got. Very cool. Well, let's talk about a challenge that taught you a huge, huge lesson, maybe even a big failure uh, along the way. No doubt building uh, Tessa is a massive challenge. So many moving parts. I mean, at this point in your career, would you say that this uh, Tessa project is one of the biggest challenges you face from a marketing? And I mean, sounds like you wear a lot of hats there as well. Absolutely. You know, in the past, I, I worked for a company and, you know, we started up a um, a startup racing series. It was called American Race Trucks. And, you know, I would go over to Irwindale twice a month and, you know, it was great until, you know, the usual. Um, it, it Suddenly it wasn't great and suddenly I wasn't getting paid. <laughs> you know, yeah. suddenly, you know, uh, the usual stuff. Other things, uh, you know, I I was a singer, and uh, suddenly I met a woman that had a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and I realized that, you know, working anywhere from, you know, five, six, seven nights a week in bars. Yeah, hard to be a dad. Yeah, not the best idea. So, you know, I, I made a decision that I never regretted and left that behind, but, that, you know, that was something I loved to do. But, you know, right now with a Tessa, I had no idea. I've never worked in, in you know, real estate development inside. I had done advertising for development. Developers, just the challenges, just the paperwork, just, you know, all the red tape. I had no idea. And, you know, uh, God bless the people I work for. Again, they're a lot smarter than I am. And, and you know, they've known what to do and they had the resources to do it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about it. My father was an architect and, as I mentioned, a builder, developer. And my wife was a civil engineer. The first part of her career 
uh, before we had kids and she uh, stayed home to raise those kids, which I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah. But both of them, uh, the complexities in development, you know, a lot of people look at real estate development and they go, oh, what a cool job. You just go out and say you want to build something, you build it. <laughs> but the complexities and the bureaucracies of government primarily that keep you from doing things and, and just why things get so expensive uh, is overwhelming. And you mentioned in the beginning the amount of money you have to spend with attorneys just to bring something up out of the ground. I don't think people really understand all those details. I mean, just just try to go. We did a house addition on our home, and I thought I had the brilliant idea to save a little money with my architect and go down and get the permits. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and my, my architect friend, who's actually a, a racer, vintage racer and a car guy, he kind of laughed and said, I told you so. You should have yeah. had us do that. Because if I had hair to pull out, I would have pulled it all out, just <laughs> you know, dealing with those people behind the counters. Um. Yeah, quite overwhelming. I don't know how my dad did it all these years, and and the same with my wife. Her boss was an attorney as well as a civil engineer, so he had that legal side to do things. But I don't think people understand until you try to do a project how complex it is and how expensive. Yeah, you know, we had, uh, you know, our, our law firm, Snell & Wilmer, they did a great job. Uh, Hilgart Wilson, our engineering company, you know, they did a great job. But then you got to have soil guys and you got to have water guys and you got to have a guy that's going to go through the land and make sure that there are no Indian artifacts. Environmental impact studies, yeah. <laughs> and and then, you know, make sure that, you know, uh, even though we're in the desert, you know, we're are, are you in a floodplain? Do you have, you know, uh, something that's going to take care of that? Uh, there are just so many little details and you know, the deal is, it's just like everything else. You want the pros from Dover. You want to have resources that there's nothing they've never seen. And, you know, they know how to, uh, you know, navigate all these hurdles. And we got a great team that, you know, did a lot of work for us. And, you know, now we're on our way. Well, you get what you pay for. And that's true yep. on a big project like this. Uh, yeah. No rookies allowed on these tra- oh, on these tracks, <laughs> for sure. Let's talk about a, spe- you just talk about a special vehicle in your life. You're a car guy. I've been a car guy forever. Uh, is there one special vehicle that stands out for you? Uh, yes, yes. I had a little Datsun Roadster, an SRL 311. Uh, you know, in 66, 67, they came out. I think in Japan it was called the Fair Lady. It was yes. 1600. Love those. And, you know, and it, and it was a Japanese MG, which meant it was reliable. It, did, it didn't leak. It didn't right. have electrical problems. So when, uh, I don't know if it was John Morton, I can't remember. Anyway, they wanted to go to SCCA Racing, and they found out that there was a two-liter uh, Nissan motor out of a forklift, and they put it in that car. And, you know, suddenly instead of a 1600 with a four-speed that made about 100 horsepower, this was a 2000 with a five-speed that made about 135 horsepower. Power. Wow. And, and man, I just, I, I love that car. That was just the coolest car in the world. Yeah. I had a, there was a, some young guys living across the street from me when I was growing up that had one and they wanted to sell it. And I really wanted to buy it. And I didn't know much about cars back then. I think I was 16 years old. And my dad looked at it and said, ah, this thing's got some problems coming. I mean, if you want to pull the engine and work on it, that's what's going to happen. And, of course, I was blinded to that. I'm like, oh, but yeah. it's so cool to drive. And <laughs> I ended up passing. I bought a Carmagia instead, which was a better choice in the long run. But a friend of mine bought that car. And sure enough, two months later, the engine totally grenaded. And uh, that was the end of it. So, yeah, listen to your dad. He's been there, done that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I had that same experience. <laughs> yeah, a few times. But I love those little cars. We had a local car show here in Gig Harbor uh, last summer, and there was a, 
gosh, it was like 14 of those lined up against the back yeah. row. And I'm like, well, where are all you guys come from? Because you don't see those around much anymore. They they suffered from uh, uh, the tin worm, you know, the rust problems that those old yeah. Japanese cars had. But uh, definitely they're coming back. So I'm going to be your car psychologist here today, Bill. Crawl into your skull a little bit. If you were reincarnated as a vehicle, what would you be and why? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, an RX-7. An, an, oh, an okay. early An early 90s RX-7. Why is that? Well, my heart's a little different than everybody else's. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm smooth. I'm reliable. Uh, I'm not as fast as others. Not everybody likes my looks. But, you know, I'm a great car. I, I had one. I, I, you know, neat car. Yeah, my mom had uh, the first gen that came out. And uh, I just thought, all of a sudden, she bought this thing. I'm like, Mom, what? You're cool? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And a really cool car. Unfortunately, she let a, a friend drive it one day, and he crashed it, and that was the end of that. But, um, but yeah, those uh, Winkle engines and the uniqueness of those cars and how they evolved over time. Um, of course, the 90s, the body had changed, gotten a little more rounded if you will and you know uh as uh, everything evolved but uh very cool i think you might be the only rx7 on this show which is saying something after 2200 plus people so well and let, let me add something you know uh the rx7 had a great muffler system which is great because just like you know unfiltered i can be obnoxiously <laughs> loud i can really be annoying <laughs> Unless I got a good muffler, so that's that's my RX-7 comparison. <laughs> that's funny. I love it. How about a how about a great book you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, it, it, it is, and it's because I'm old because this was written in 1970. But it's a book called uh, Up the Organization. You know, it was written by a guy named Robert Townsend, and uh, back in the 60s, the big rental car company was Hertz, and he was the guy that helped introduce the Avis We Try Harder campaign. Oh my gosh! Wow, yeah, I remember that. Which which brought Avis right up on line with, you know, with Hertz. But it's it's just a great uh, book as far as, uh, oh, you know, the, the subtitle is, you know, something about, you know, how to stop corporations from stifling, you know, creativity and profits. It's, it's just a great encyclopedia about really what not to do if you want to have a successful organization. And, uh, you know, I, I you know, uh, Amazon, I believe you can still get it online, but it's 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 a book that's still being referred to in you know business seminars, business classes. It uh, you know it kind of opened my eyes as far as you know how you should run a business, how you should work for somebody in a business. Is up the organization, Robert Townsend. Wow, you know I'm surprised I haven't heard of that book, and um, it sounds like a great book for the career path that you've taken, and same with. Myself and you've probably seen this back when you were working with a variety of clients and not inside a big company is go into a company and they would need some help and you'd look around and see what was going on and usually pretty quickly you could see what was going wrong and they yeah. they couldn't see it and when you would point it out they it's like no that's not the problem you're like well, yeah it kind of is. Uh, <laughs> Well, it, it, it's funny, you know, there's always that resistance. I was always amused when uh, a company would hire someone to come in and, you know, have an impact, make a change, right. you know, improve them. And then they would tell them, no, that's not how we do it here. <laughs> you know, I just had a guest on the show. He's a longtime friend of mine, Tom Nault, who wrote a book called How Not to F Up Your Business. Yeah. And you go back and listen to the show. It was just a few weeks ago. And one of the things he mentioned was what you and I are, have experienced. He said I, he would get hired 
because he, he built up and, and sold some monster businesses, very successful man. And he became a consultant and he would be hired by these CEOs. He'd come in and I said, is there a, is there a typical thing you'd see wrong in these companies? He goes, it's always the CEO. And he'd laugh. <laughs> and I go, really? Well, would they listen to you? And he goes, no, usually not. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I think uh, when I look back on my experiences, yeah, typically the business will outscale the brain trust in a CEO and they think they know it all and they don't. And they really need to listen to not only their internal folks or the board of directors, if they're brave enough to have a board, which he said lots of times, that's the first thing they wanted to fire when things are going wrong. And he said, that was, yeah. those are the guys they need to listen to, but yeah, up the organization. All right. I'll yep. have to get my hands on that. Very cool. Yeah, it's very, it's very good book. I love it. So we're going to go on the ultimate drive today. I'm going to buy you any vehicle in the world. You can take it anywhere. And here's the key. You can take anybody you would like with you, even somebody who's no longer with us, which opens up a wide variety of options for you. So, uh, the ultimate drive. What can I do for you today? You want 19, to start with the car? <laughs> yeah, a 1969 Mustang Mach 1. Okay, I like it. And I want to be in the passenger seat with Mickey Thompson driving. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, Mickey Thompson. Now, I, Mickey had, Thompson. I had Mickey's son on the show. Um, yeah. Yeah, which was pretty cool a couple of years ago. Mickey Thompson, why are you picking Mickey? He was a genius, and he was so far, uh, you know, before his time, he invented the first slingshot dragster. He, uh, you know, he he got rid of the flagman and, and, you know, made it so there was a light when the dragster gets to go and a red light if he went too soon. Uh, you know, IndyCar, sports car, he was a driver. He did all that stuff. Um, he introduced... You know, stadium racing, both, you know, now motocross and, and you know, uh, closed course off-road. That was his idea. I just saw the other day on Facebook, you know, a little post where in at, at some time, you know, he went out to, uh, you know, to Bonneville, you know, aside from his landscape record attempts that, you know, that his son Danny had, you know, continued the, the trend. Um he decided to break every record he could. He found a record for a very, very small displacement, you know, engine that was held since like 1923. So he got a uh, Pontiac Tempest four-cylinder, which itself was half of a 289 V8. Uh, he cut two more cylinders off of it. So he had a two-cylinder inline two, put it in a dragster chassis and went out and set that record. And, you know, you know, you couldn't stop him. You, you could not, you know, prevent him. You know, failure is a big part of success and you got, you got to keep on going. And, you know, that was him. I, I just, you know, it was such a tragic loss when he lost, when we lost him. But, uh, you know, the, you know, he introduced the low profile tire at Indianapolis, you know, when, when the roadsters were running the tall and skinnies and, you know, he came up with the first roller skate car with, you know, uh, short fat wide tires you know he was just he was such an innovator and i you know the stories he had i'm you know i would love to hear him well his son danny was on my show actually twice uh he was a very very early guest i was fortunate enough to get him on the show back in 2015 and then he came back again in 2021 uh to talk about some of the new things that he's doing i mean his son danny is just as wild and innovative and, <laughs> and spirited as well. And I love Danny because he's just an awesome guy. I wish I'd had a chance to to know his father. Uh, but of course, we lost him back when I was a kid, I guess it was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Amazing, amazing guy. Wow. Well, fun. You know, one, one, one more thing. Let me add. And of course, it's a, sh it's a shameless plug. He came up with the hydro barrier. And oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, that's and, right. 
And, you know, that not just for racetracks, but for highways. And at the Podium Club, you're not going to find any Armco. You're not going to find any metal barriers, you know, stuck on a wood. We have hydro barriers. Um, you know, brilliant safer. invention. Yeah, a lot yeah, safer. Yeah. Very cool. Well, you've taken us on a, a wonderful ride today, Bill. And I'm so glad that you reached out to me and we connected and was able to share what you're doing there to Tessa with our listeners. No doubt a lot of them are going to want to know a lot more about this. The website is easy, A-T-T-E-S-A.com, Atessa.com. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to be blown away when you go there and check it out. I'll put a link on Bill Shoner's page. Bill, before I let you go today, could you leave us with maybe, uh, since you're a copywriter, I'm going to expect a lot from you, some words of great inspiration <laughs> and wisdom. Uh, well, like all great copywriters, we steal from the best. There you go. Um, so from my friend, Jim Schoenberger, uh, you can have it good, you can have it fast and you can have it cheap, but you only get to pick two. Pick two. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a man named Nolan Bushnell who started Atari and, you know, his deal was, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen execution is everything. And then finally, um, uh, Wayne Gretzky, you miss you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't, you don't take. take. So yeah, <laughs> so take, take a shot. I love it. Those are all great inspirational quotes, and I appreciate you sharing what you guys are doing with me today. So uh, again, uh, is the best place for people to find you guys is on your website. And and you know as well as Tessa.com, we have PodiumClub.com, which is the website for you know again it's our Keystone project. Awesome. Great. I'll put both of those on Bill's show notes page. Check them out if you're going to be in that part of the world. Of course, we just finished Car Week in Arizona, I guess, uh, Auction Week and so forth. But uh, um, at the same time, Arizona is not a bad place to go when things are kind of cold and wet and windy. And boy, they have been across a part of the, the world <laughs> these days. So uh, go check these guys out. You're going to have a lot of fun. Bill, thanks for being so generous today with your time and sharing your story and what you guys are doing there at Tessa. I can't wait to get down there and meet you. I think we'll make that happen this year. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you so much. Had a great time. It was fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.